This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with Derek Konofelski, digital guru who runs Spark App League, and Jennifer Alvarez, another member of our digital communications team. Last week, we released a podcast episode focusing on Spark App League, a unique coding contest that we run in partnership with Arizona State University and sponsored by Google. And this week, we held our first advanced Spark event, and it was quite a success. So I wanted to follow up because, like I said, hopefully you listened last week and learned about Spark and what it is. And if you haven't, um, I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that episode and learn more about the program or visit the website which we'll be sure to plug along the way. Um, but Derek, talk to me about what the advanced event was and, and why you decided to have an advanced event. Sure. So the advanced event kind of came from feedback that we got from previous events. Normally we do a spring event where um, we do tutorials and lessons for all the students. And again, we talked about it last week, so you can kind of hear all the details. But this event was more aimed at all the students that told us that they already had some coding experience, but that they loved kind of the format and the environment and the competition that we do in our normal Spark events. So it kind of, you know, just organically grew from there. Let's hold a event for students that already know how to code. We'll forego most of the tutorials um, and just do a competition where they can compete against their peers to kind of make apps or games or, you know, whatever they want in the same format that we do for Spark. So um, we had six different schools participate. They were kind of our guinea pigs. We tried to make it a smaller event since um, it's our first one. And we had 18 teams competing against each other to make apps or games um, along a theme. We typically do a theme for Spark. And for this event, it was water conservation. So we had just a, a mess of students um, just working their their butts off, making apps and games all related to water conservation. And I, I thought it was great. I mean, the energy in the room was awesome. Yeah, it was so Super interesting fun. to watch them so engaged. I've never seen a room of students. Now, these were high school students, but yep. in the spring event, we do include junior high students as well. But for the advanced event, these were just high school students, but they were just so interested and just committed for the entire two days. And some of the feedback that you've heard from teachers was that at times these could be students who weren't so engaged in their regular day-to-day school life. And so I think that's what's really powerful also is it gives them an outlet. Plus they're surrounded by like-minded people who are also interested in coding. And I think you seeing you stand up there and, and guide them really is inspirational for them um, to start thinking about you know, choosing a major related or future careers, which is really where the purpose of this program came from. That's awesome. I mean, I I appreciate you saying that because that obviously makes me feel really good about the program and about the students. But yeah, I mean, the thing that always gets me and especially about this event is when, you know, when you think of coding or programming, you just think of people with their heads buried in the computer, just click clacking away at the keyboards. And I think Jen can even speak to this because we, while we were judging, she had a, a few of the students kind of open up and share their experiences. At, at one point, you know, we had the students showing off their games and they were doing all these voices like for the characters that they had created and stuff. And I just, I don't see that normally from these types of kids or even, you know, from kids that are interested in that kind of stuff. They, they tend to be more introverted, more reserved. Um, and I just, I think, 
yeah, having a room full of people, you know, somebody at one point I think said like, these are my people or something along those lines. Like that, that's, that's awesome to me because they feel comfortable in an environment that's fun, that lets them kind of use the skills that they have to make something fun and then share it with a bunch of people who are both coders and who aren't. In this case, because of the advanced level of the event, they were mostly coders, but you know, the judges weren't coders. I I was, I think the only judge that was voting on like their technical ability and stuff. So I think it was just great for them to be able to share and just talk openly with people who were totally into what they were doing without necessarily knowing all the ins and outs of what they were doing. Yeah. And like you said, Derek, while you guys were in the uh, room judging, I had the students and I was trying to fill some time while you guys were were doing your thing. But um, I had asked them, you know, what do you like most about Spark? Like what, what have you enjoyed most over the past two days? And, you know, they were very open and honest. And I was surprised to see that. And they were, you know, you had everything from, like you said, you know, I'm here with like-minded people. And they kept calling themselves nerds and that they were mostly introverted and not that. social people. And I saw the exact opposite. These kids were open. They were raising their hand. They were engaged. Um, they were outgoing. Um, it was really fun to see and to hear kind of their perspective about, you know, not only being in a room of like-minded people, but to have the opportunity to code for a purpose. You know, a lot of these kids do code on the side, but the fact that, you know, one of the students told me, he's like, you know, I've always wanted to make a game. I just didn't really know what to make the game about. And so to be able to have that theme and have that project in that direction and go from there to really take it, you know, you don't give them much direction. You just give them the theme of water conservation. They can really build whatever they want. Um, And so to have that theme and that direction and then really take it wherever, you know, whatever they decided to do, it was incredible to see. Let's talk about that. So talk about, you know, what they were given, the data they were given and so forth, and then what the assignment was. Yeah, I would love to because this is kind of a point of pride for me in, in especially the advanced level event. Um, so as Jen mentioned, we gave them kind of some general guidelines along with the theme that we do for every Spark event, which was water conservation. And uh, one of the guidelines was that they had to use some kind of data in their games to influence kind of the way that the game worked. Um, and we provided them with that data. So uh, Gilbert, we typically, we, we, we are just starting the process of, of opening up all of our data um, and setting up an open data portal. But because we were able to work with the water conservation team, they were able to provide us with all kinds of production statistics for, for how much water Gilbert produces and then consumption statistics and meter readings. And all the data is like sanitized, so there's no identifiable information it's all um, it, it's, it's all pretty much cleaned up but it, it like Jen said it kind of gives them that focus and I think if you if you just piece all this stuff together it ties back to that to what you were saying earlier Dana that a lot of these students are are not you know they're not the most focused students because they don't have something to focus on but at the same time they don't work well either when you tell them exactly what to do step by step so it's kind of a a tightrope walk of giving them enough freedom to be creative and do something that they're passionate about while also giving them just a little bit of structure to where you know they're they're working on something that could potentially come back and help them in the future you know the the coding the data that we give them it's in a format that that they might get in a in a job that they secure later on so you know the information might be different but the thought processes and the actual code that they use might actually be something that they work with in a job later on or in a career so i think 
like I said, it's a, it's a fine balance that you have to take, but at the end of the day, it seems like they enjoy it. You give them just enough freedom to, to keep them engaged and keep them um, really just entrenched in it, and they'll take over the rest. They they love it. Like it's like I said, it's a point of pride for me because I think we we do really well with that balance. We don't we don't necessarily tell them what to do, and even like water conservation, I think is kind of a if you just left water conservation on its own, it, some people might not be the, that interested in it. But when we told them they could make games or apps and they just have to use that as a theme, I mean, we, you saw some of the ideas. I can't, I can't wait to post them to the website. We're, we're going to post the winners. Um, and even if students want to you know, just share their games, we're going to have like a gallery on the website at sparkappleague.com um, that will show everything. But just when you see what they come up with, it's... It just blows my mind. I love it. It is. Let's talk about some of the specifics of the games that we saw. Like I loved the one where they used the rainfall per month and they were trying to catch the the water droplets in a bucket and you watched the water rise. I mean, some of these ideas were really interesting and we brought our water conservation folks in to judge as well and they were even blown away by a few of the ideas that came forth. They were all good. Yeah. I mean, being a judge myself, I have to say it was hard to choose winners. We had different categories, mm-hmm. but I wanted to give a prize to everyone because <laughs> it's just amazing. And you think about, we talked about this in the last episode, but you could pay $40,000 to have someone design an app. And basically all we have to do is bring a bunch of kids together and give them some data and they can do it themselves. And it's really amazing the ideas they come up with and the creativity and the level of you know pr- the product that they can make in 48 hours or less yeah so part of the just just to kind of backtrack a little bit the data that we gave them was the production data for um, 1977 to 2016 we gave them consumption data for July of 2015 and then we gave them um, rainfall data there's a there's a a volunteer-based public website called Coco Raz that measures rainfall data through through uh, private um, rain water meters or rain sensors, um, and then you know we give them some some other data. But what I found was that the students in their games, the, the even just the ways that they use the data, like you mentioned, there was one game that had. Um, each level was a month of the year and kind of like the top score or the score that you needed to reach to beat it to get to the next level was the water production amount for that month. So we, you know, the thing that's awesome to me is that one of the requirements that we throw in there is that we have to be able to change that data. So they can't like hard code just these numbers in there. They have to actually read it from our data sources so that we can provide, you know, another year like 2016 and the game would just update with that new data, um, which I think is awesome because then you, you look at it, it's again, it's something that They'll be able to use in a career, but it's like fun and they came up with creative ways to do it. Um, I think probably my my secret favorite game, actually it wasn't a secret because they won one of the prizes, was the, they didn't even, it was like a simulation more than a game where they took the the data that we provided them and they had like a budget that you had to spend to upgrade like the water production plants and to fix um, the pipes and fix canals. And basically the point of the game was to try to save up enough water to prevent a drought, you know, at the end of the game or whatever. And they, just the way that they used all that information, all that data was like, okay, this straight up could just be an app. Mm-hmm. Like we could just make an app out of this or, or we could have them come do this and, and make an app out of this. And they used all the data. Like it was fun. It was interesting. It was, 
it was crazy. And it's just awesome to see all the creativity that they put into it. I love the the one with the shark in the... Gil the shark. Gil the shark. Can you talk a little bit about that one? Uh, I'll let you because you brought it up. Yeah. So, um, you know, I only saw it briefly, but Gil the shark was basically in our Gilbert's pipes, right? And he was going... I think the team yeah, had By the way, we with, don't actually have sharks in our pipes. No sharks. Gilbert. No pipe fixing sharks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Gil the shark was going through our pipeline. They had connected with our conservation team and the, they were telling um, the students that basically our water production levels don't match our consumption levels, right? And so, um, and that's because oftentimes water gets lost in the process. And, yeah, and I that. think the students were actually the ones that pointed that out. They asked uh, Haley, uh, one of our water conservation people, they asked her, they were like, we're looking at the production data for the year and we're looking at how much was actually used and it doesn't match. And she was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, we lose water from the process, but there's like a, a you know, a certain threshold that we have to stay within or whatever. So yeah, I think they even were the ones that pointed that out to her. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, but and Gil the shark was just going through Gilbert's pipes and band, putting band-aids on the leaks and that was the game. And, and it just, you know, again, that creativity and that them understanding um, how you know municipal pipes work and the underground and our water distribution and just all of that was you know another creative way to show how government functions. Yeah, there was an alien plugging leaks in our water tower yeah, downtown, was, which was really cool. A, a lot of those games, even the the Gil the Shark one and the Water Tower one, those are my. I, I really liked the, again because they used the actual data for that. So like with the shark one, um, the the data loss was what determined how many cracks there were like in the level. And then with the, the leaks on the water tower, it went through the monthly production. So the more, you know, the more it rained or the more water there was for that month, the more leaks showed up in the water tower. And again, it just like, it, it seems in hindsight, almost obvious that the students picked that stuff, but like watching them create this stuff and watching them be like, how can I use this data to turn it into a game or to make this a game and not just, you know, like throwing numbers on the screen or something like it actually affected the gameplay that they used. And I, I just love seeing them. And their team names were unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> string beans, string cheese. Yep. Uh, Team Ghost made a story one that was a board, and, and they did all this animation, and they created characters yep. and drew. I mean, and it was just so intricate. And again, watching what they did in such a short amount of time really was mind-boggling. That was one of my favorites. It didn't you know, necessarily do as much data-wise, but it was just so creative. I was like, we need a creativity award next time. Yeah, but I like that one because they did use the data, you know, like in their so part of what their story was is that uh, the spirit of Gilbert Water needed them to help conserve water in these different areas. And they used awesome. the production data to determine which areas needed the help. So they would look at like the water usage and the ones that, you know, had more opportunity to save water were the ones that would be used in the game. And so if you provided them with different data, then the the story changed almost you know it wasn't it wasn't like it changed drastically but the names of the places updated and the characters updated their names change based on both the numbers and the names of the different locations so they 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 used the data enough and i think it was cool that they did a story it was kind of like a choose your own adventure well and they drew the characters by hand yeah, correct every there was one, one student them. that drew that from hand which every was they were studying and the, actually the whole game uh was coded from the ground up to, uh, 
it was Team Ghost day one. We we weren't planning on it, but the decision was so hard that we um, we kind of gave them a runner up for the technical award because they, they the whole thing was coded. They didn't use any kind of framework or any kind of um, you know game engine to do it. They wrote all the code. They designed all the characters. So even not just from a coding perspective, but from a technical you know we I think we we plan for the technical award to just focus on the coding aspect of it because it's a coding competition but we wanted to recognize them because it wasn't just a technical coding accomplishment it was a creative technical accomplishment and uh you know just a a a I would even say like a story technical storytelling accomplishment it was just it was very very impressive how they were able to tie all those things together I think it's really amazing to the teachers, you know, that came with their students and took two days out of a busy time of year. A lot of schools are in finals this week leading up to the holidays. And so, you know, that it was kind of a hard, it's never a good time to take two days, but we, we battle with that whenever we're planning this event, but they came. And what I, what really struck me, and I know we talked a lot about this also in the last episode was about the teacher training aspect, because what we've really learned is that the students can run circles around their teachers a lot of times and, and the teachers aren't incorporating this into their curriculum because they don't they don't know it they don't understand it so we do intensive teacher training leading up to our spring event and I really got a kick out of the fact that the teacher in the back of the room at the end of the event yesterday said can everybody tell me what programs they use to design their game or their app and he was taking notes um, when people were, because some had made stuff for Android and they had different game, you know, developer programs, I guess, that were helping them create that framework. And he was taking notes and I thought, he's probably going to go home tonight and look up what those all are and try to teach himself so that he can interact with his students, you know, about this. And I that really struck me because, again, we're making all of these pieces come together. Um, I heard on the radio this morning on NPR, they said that there are more people over the age of 65 in IT jobs than under 30. And, you know, this is really why we started this program. And, and it is because there's, there's a gap. There's, there's going to be a huge job gap. There's a skill gap. There's not people to fill these jobs. And as those people over 65 retire, um, that gap is just going to get larger. And so it's really our responsibility, I think, to expose students to um, choosing computer science-related careers or start thinking about them or their majors. Uh, we've had students that said that they never thought about going to college until they came and had this event and had this experience. And teachers have kind of echoed those sentiments to us as well and said, you know, it's just amazing to watch my students kind of come alive for the first time. And I think seeing it in that room, we've talked about wanting to grow the program and making it virtual, but we would lose that energy in the room and, and, and that camaraderie that they get to see and feel when they're all together, which I think is just so amazing. Yeah. And I want to piggyback on that too, because to me, like the teachers, the teachers that bring their students, you know, we wouldn't have an event. We wouldn't have Spark App League if it wasn't for the teachers. And to me, like they're the superheroes because they are the ones that, that inspire these students enough to even get them to try these things. And what I liked about the advanced event is that every single one of the teachers that was there was hands-on this time. Like I, I felt like we could, we could justify not doing teacher training for an advanced level event because I knew every single one of the teachers that was bringing students was going to be there and was going to support those students and and you know maybe be, they would be helping them debug and answer their questions and figure out 
their problems and stuff. And it, it was awesome because uh, one of the teachers came in and he's, uh, he's moving out of the state. So he's going to another, another state, but he, uh, he has a teaching assistant right now that he was saying they're going to come back for the spring event. And what he's planning on doing is he's going to structure their whole curriculum for the year around the spark events. So the beginner level event is going to be like their midterm and the, you know, advanced level event is going to be kind of like their final for that, for the, the two parts of the class. And what's great is that when he leaves, he said he's already got his teaching assistant working, you know, on the next part so that when he leaves, they can take over and it's, it's just going to keep going and going and going. So to me, you know, Arizona, there's a lot of states, unfortunately, that don't have formalized computer science curriculum. And so to see these students take the lead on that stuff and then, you know, bring us into the picture and make us like a huge part of what they're doing, it makes me feel awesome. It makes me feel like we're doing, you know, great work for Gilbert. And it makes me really, really excited for the future of not just Gilbert, but our you know our country and and, and the fu- the future of all these kids because you know they're they're already planning this stuff they're already doing this stuff and these kids are going to have a leg up on everybody because of them they're like I said to me they're the superheroes I saw a kid talking to you after the event mm-hmm. what what was he saying to you so we uh you know I, I like to go afterwards and talk to the, to the kids about how they felt the event I sent surveys out to everybody afterwards but that this particular student was somebody who had been to a previous spark event they were actually our winners for the spring event and they won the technical award for this uh this event and we you know we just got to talking about what what his plans are for the future um, he's a senior so he's going to be graduating soon and he wants to come back and volunteer for future spark events but he also just started running his own website for um, specifically for students that want to make games and share their games with each other. And it's almost like a little social media website that he's setting up. So again, just I'm, I'm hearing him like we're ta- talking about this stuff. And there's two things that stuck out in my mind. Number one, I've been programming since I was 16. So for, for almost 20 years, I've been coding in some way, shape or another Uh, I felt like he was my peer, like we could talk and have a conversation about code and about programming. And I didn't feel like, you know, I had a leg up on him or whatever. It was a it was a full on two way conversation, which was amazing. And then two, I see that he's doing stuff like this social media website, this gaming website that he's interested in that. And it that's how I got started. I got started in video games and then moved to web design and then into app design and, you know, software and stuff. And just to see him like talk about this stuff and see how excited he was about this website that he set up for everything. And and I just like in the back of my head, I'm just thinking this kid's set like he's he knows what he wants to do. He knows where he wants to go. He knows what career he wants to get into. It was it was just awesome to me to, to, to see his the process all the way through, you know, coming from a beginner level event and talking to his teachers and then seeing it all the way through like. It was it was just awesome. We we basically talked about what his plans were for the future and what he wanted to do, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the point. That's the point of the event. And it's not the the other thing that's amazing is it's not the first student that I've talked to that I've had that conversation with. You know, I know Jen had conversations with a bunch of the students that were saying the same thing. You mentioned the student that didn't even consider wanting to go to college until he showed up at one of the events and saw what college could be like and saw other, you know, college students at the campus that we were on. Um, I just, the, the whole thing is like right up my alley and I love seeing, I, I love seeing the, the kind of the journey that 
a lot of these students take. I'm not a coder, um, so to see what they build is just amazing to me. But again, while you guys were judging, I was, you know, having conversations with the students and I posed the question, you know, we're government, we work in government, you know, and I was wondering, you know, how can we as government engage with these students? Like what kind of apps or um, things would they like to see um, government agencies use? And um, they had so many great ideas from, you know, ways to track traffic to um, ways to connect your HOAs and just different ideas. And, you know, I basically told them, build it. You can do this. Like this event, you are talented enough. You have the skills to build these apps and these ideas. And government needs them. I mean, you know, I told them that as government transitions and we're growing and Gilbert Digital is great. Um, example of that where we are moving digitally. And so we need people like them in our industry. I told them that I never saw myself in government and to not count out government that that there are opportunities for them to make a difference and do what they love. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of big like my one of my passions is just thinking about civic tech and how we can use some of this technology to improve government, you know, transparency and government processes and in all that stuff. And Spark is one of those, you know, we use that live data, we use real data that, that students can use. And I'm, I'm really excited just to see where we take both Spark in the future, but where Gilbert ends up with the data that we're going to, you know, that we're starting to put, put out little by little. Um, and just, I want to see what not just the students do, but what the professionals do, because I'm so impressed by what the students are doing. I can't wait to see what like pros do in their spare time. And you said something earlier too about, um, you know, like the kids didn't, they, they knew that they could do this as a hobby, but that like the direction that we gave them kind of give them, gave them the impetus or the, the influence to actually do something like that. That's the thing I want to see with professionals and, and with students in the future too, is just like, now that you have this information, do something awesome with it. Like, I can't wait to see the awesomeness that comes out of this. And that, you know, there's awesome organizations that do this kind of stuff, especially in, in civic tech. Um, so to see what we grow in Gilbert and how it compares to some of these other organizations. Um, I'm super pumped just to see what happens in the future. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. This is something that I think we all can be very, very proud of. I know that Google is our sponsor, as I mentioned earlier. And and when their engineers came, they said at the spring event, and we've never seen anything like this. And we go to a lot of events all around the country. So, you know, hopefully this can become a model. And, and, you know, like we said, we really want to grow the program and are looking forward to, you know, what the future holds. Yeah. And I was just gonna say, I would love to see more companies like Google getting involved in stuff like this. You know, Google, Google says that they don't see very much of what we're doing. And I also feel from the other end that we don't see a lot of companies doing what Google's doing, Mm -hmm. you know, Google, they don't know for sure that any of these students are going to come work for Google, or they don't really get any kind of direct immediate benefit from this, yet they still support the program. They support all these. And it's not just our program. Google supports tons of programs. But I would love to see, you know, like local Gilbert companies getting involved like this. We have tons of engineers and, and tons of people that work in programming industries show these kids what you do, you know, get them excited about what you do. If you love your job, get involved in the program, get involved with Spark, 
you know, get in touch with us. They want to see what people are doing in the real world just as much as they want to do this for fun. And so I would love to, you know, like you said, Google sends an engineer out uh, for our events, for our beginner level events. I would love to see a local company send out engineers for us that inspire the students and talk about, you know, anything that they do. I mean, there's so much that needs programming nowadays. They can talk about anything for hours and those students would listen and eat it up. And the possibility of having a career here, yeah. you know, that they could, which is another huge reason why we do the program is that, you know, these, this homegrown entrepreneur idea and that these students are our future and ultimately could be the next Steve Jobs and, and start their own business and, you know, life changing career right here in Gilbert. So it's a really great program. And if you want to learn more, like Derek said, you should visit the website at sparkappleague.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spark App League and like us on Facebook. And we'll see you next time from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Mm-hmm.